We're going to go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, 1 says, When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and to kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar amongst the people. He goes on, and, and, and as you know, uh, we have the Passover taking place. We have the Last Supper. But I want to skip ahead. That's the context. Jesus is saying, my time is coming, true, coming soon. And then we're going to spend some time in the garden here, just a little bit. I'm going to switch Bibles because this Bible is my travel Bible. It is not a preaching Bible. It's uh, got words that are tinier than ants. So I'm going to switch over here. Matthew 26 and uh, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and, they began to be, and he began to be grieved and distressed. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Many believe that at this moment, you know, we, we know that Jesus likely was not afraid to be beaten. He's not afraid to be whipped, not concerned about even being crucified. In fact, the scripture says he despised the shame, which despised means to, 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 it doesn't count for anything. You're not giving it any weight. You're just, you're just saying that's not what's important to me. What he was concerned about at this moment, what he's grieved about, is not that he's going to have to suffer some physical pain. Likely what he's feeling at this moment is not the fear of death, but rather that moment when he is coming to a place where he is he's coming to grips with the fact that he's going to take over the sins of the world. They're all going to rest on his shoulders. He who knew no sin, the scripture says, became sin. See, for us, sin, as, and I hate to say this, but you know, when, before you got born again, Sin was not something that deeply grieved you. You might feel bad for a moment, but you also might feel good in the moment because it made part of you feel good and part of you, if you still had a bit of a conscience, felt bad about it. When you got born again, you received the Holy Spirit and you actually did feel that feeling like this isn't right. But if you did it long enough and you kept doing the same thing, the Bible talks about your conscience being seared. Which means after a while, if you keep disregarding the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit suddenly becomes okay with whatever you're doing. It's that at that point, you've, you've gone, grown callous to his voice and you can't hear it in that area anymore. So you have believers that think all of a sudden what they might be doing is okay, but in truth, they've just disregarded the Holy Spirit enough that they don't hear it anymore. But Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus had never sinned. He had never felt displeasure from the Father. He had never, ever done anything that would go contrary to the will of God. And so he who knew no sin became sin. Can you imagine the transition? You know, 
Those moments in your life where you tripped and you fell and you, you did something that you knew you shouldn't have done. And when you're really honestly pursuing God and you want his best, and that moment you fell into something, I hope that you jumped right out of it, but that moment, it doesn't feel good at all, does it? And that's just one thing. Can you imagine being so pure and so innocent as far as sin is concerned? Not that he was unaware of it, not that he didn't know what it was, but he had never experienced it. Can you imagine going from zero to infinite? Going from never knowing any sin, never bearing the burden of sin, to bearing the burden of all the world's sin on him. Can you imagine the weight of that? That's what's distressing his soul at this moment. That's what's grieving him. And he says, would you, he just took his three closest guys. He says, could you just watch with me? Now, are, do you think that they're supposed to be watching out for the soldiers that are coming? No, because what would be the point of that? There's no point in that because Jesus isn't planning to get away. He's not planning to run. He's planning to be arrested tonight. So he doesn't need somebody as a lookout for when the bad guys come. There is something that pops up over and over in the scripture, which is praying, watching and praying. Now here in our culture, watching and praying means you're, you're praying and you're constantly looking at your watch as you're praying. On Monday nights, we pray for an hour. An hour is nothing. But people walk around. I say people, not the present group. <laughs> yeah, 20 years ago, people would walk around. Can I just say that and nobody be offended? No, but I've noticed at times, you know, even me, I'll, I'll look and I'll, even me, like I'm different. Um, I'll look and I'll... I'll, I'll just be curious what time it is. It's a wonderful thing when you just forget about the time and you just walk around and just let it, let it go away. But watching and praying doesn't mean looking at your watch and praying. It doesn't mean that you're looking out for the bad guys. It means that you are alert. That's right. That you're sober, you're alert, you're, you're, you're at a place where you're not just praying your, your memorized prayers. You're not just praying your book of prayers. You're not just praying the things that you think should be prayed, but you're actually praying aware of what's going on in the spirit. So if there's attacks in the spirit, you're standing against them. If there's momentum in the spirit, you're jumping on that momentum. He's telling them to watch with him. In other words, help me. Can you imagine Jesus desiring his disciples to help him? Who would need help if you're the son of God. But he says, watch with me, pray with me. And this is what happens, most of you know. He went a little bit beyond them and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. That reverent submission, that's one of the few times in the scripture we see that Jesus had the opportunity and he always had the opportunity, but you see it crystallized here. He, he had a different desire than the will of God here. He might, you know, he says, if it's possible, and yet he doesn't let his will enter into the equation. He says, not my will, but yours be done. The scripture says later in the New Testament, it says that he was heard because of his reverent submission. Because he submitted to God, God heard him. And it says, he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping. He said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for an hour? For one hour, 
you guys couldn't keep watch with me. And you know, these guys are fishermen. They're used to being up late at night, staying up through the night, catching fish. Remember when Jesus first really had contact with Peter, like when he first called Peter. Now, he'd met him before. But when he first really spent some quality time with Peter, Peter had just spent the whole night fishing. These are guys that know how to stay awake. But there was a spiritual oppression. There was such an attack at the time that weariness and, and fatigue came on them. And guys, I, I can tell you this, I felt this very real at times. I felt it in a church service. I felt it in a prayer session. I felt it in a season of time where everyone is just worn out and you don't know why. They're under attack here. They're under attack and they succumb to sleep. He says, you couldn't watch with me for an hour. Then he says this, verse 41. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think about this till right, right before we, the service started this morning. But we're talking about a verse where someone's having trouble staying awake on the day where the time changed. And, uh, <laughs> and some of you might have had some trouble getting up this morning. <laughs> but you made it, thank God. But he says this in verse uh, 41. Keep watching. And praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, that's a big statement. Some of you are familiar with that phrase. Some of you might be familiar with that phrase and didn't even know it was from the Bible. It's kind of gone. It's, it's become a, a phrase that people say. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You got to understand these disciples are not bad guys. They're not lazy. It's not that they don't care. Peter has already said to Jesus, Jesus, I'd do anything for you. I'd die for you. I'd, give my, I'd lay my life down for you. These guys care about Jesus. In fact, Peter is about to make a fool of himself and try to, try to split somebody's helmet open, and he misses and he cuts the ear off. I mean, he's not a coward. He's not apathetic. He's not lazy. But he's weak. Do you know there's a difference between being rebellious and just being weak and giving into that weakness. The spirit is willing. So, you know, the Bible talks about those that are far from God and, and they haven't yet been made alive in the spirit. Their spirit's not willing. We can't say this about everybody. We can't say everybody's spirit is willing. You can find plenty of scriptures that say they, they don't know God. They're, 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 they haven't received that life. But when you got born again, your spirit was made alive in Christ Jesus you see, the Bible teaches us there are three parts. There's, you are that spirit. That's who you really are. And when you got born again and you received Jesus Christ, he came in and he gave you a new spirit. You were made alive in him. That spirit is recreated in holiness and in truth. It looks like him. It acts like him. It is the best part of you. But the Bible tells us that you have a soul. You know that, right? Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. Your soul's the part of you that, that ha has the good ideas. Your soul's the part of you that gets upset and angry and anxious and all those other things. And of course, you live in a body. You live in this meat sack here, this bag of meat and water that you live in somehow functions and allows you to live on the planet. Someday, we'll throw the body away, but the soul and the spirit will live on and we'll be with Jesus, right? The Bible tells us that there'll be a day where he gives us a new body. That'll be wonderful. 
And that new body wasn't born into a sinful world. That new body will be just like Adam and Eve in the garden. That new body won't know sin, won't desire it, won't crave it. That's going to be a good day. Until that day, you've got a war. You've got a battle. You've got the spirit, and the scripture defines it as a battle between the spirit and the flesh. You see it all through the New Testament, the spirit and the flesh. You say, well, I'm born again. The flesh is dead. Yes. But somehow the flesh keeps taking up a zombie-like existence and comes back and causes you trouble. Because how many times does he speak to believers and say, this isn't who you are. Walk by the Spirit and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. He says, consider your flesh dead, but your spirit alive to God in Christ Jesus. So this battle's going on and you know it, you faced it. Where there's what you feel like doing and what you know you should do. There's the battle of what you know God created you to do and what you just think would be easier or more gratifying at the time. That moment when somebody comes up to you and, and treats you like a piece of dirt and the spirit says, love covers a multitude of sins, but the flesh says, oh, but it would feel so good right now just to lash out, just to tell them. Just, and you know what? We're spiritual enough. We could disguise the deeds of the flesh in a nice spiritual suit and tie and we could make whatever we said to them sound spiritual if we wanted to, but it would still be the flesh. Now that you're born again, your spirit is always willing to do the will of God. So why don't we always do the will of God? Well, because of flesh. Now, this is a very simple message I've got for you this morning. It's not complicated and you don't need a degree to understand it, but you do need to open your heart to the fact that God wants you to be strong in the spirit, strong enough in the spirit that the spirit wins every battle. Because every time you got to make a decision, every time you're either attacked or on the attack, every time there is adversity or opportunity, you got a chance to let the spirit win or the flesh win. And can I tell you something very simple? The thing that you feed the most will be the strongest in your life. You know, <laughs> the scripture talks about where we formerly were. The things we used to think, the things we used to feel, the things we used to be blind to. It tells us that before we got born again, we walked on a path. And it wasn't God's path, it was the path of the world. And it says the path of the world is actually the path of the devil himself. It, is, it's, it leads to the wrong place, it never ends well. And it's not God's path at all. And you know... Some people are walking on that path not because they just really want to be bad, but because they don't know any different, because they can't see what you see, because they're blinded to it. So that's why we had, the Bible talks about us being set free and we were removed from darkness into light. You know, when somebody walks around in darkness, I still remember my sister walking down these aisles. She was like seven years old. And I thought she was faking it. Because she was closing her eyes and she was praying. And she was praying very powerfully. This was during our Thursday noon hour prayer that we used to have. And she would just be walking. And, and she always comes so close to running into stuff. And I thought she was faking. I thought she was just, you know, being silly like, you know, look how close I came. Until I was watching her with her eyes closed. And she, bam, nose straight into that sound booth back there. I realized she wasn't faking it. She really was coming that close every time. 
She smacked into that thing. She opened her eyes. She got a little bit woozy for a minute, and I think she realized how much it hurt and started to cry. And I was trying the whole time not to laugh and (laughs) trying to seem spiritual, close my eyes really hard and pray through the laughter or whatever it was. (laughs) Maybe play it off as some sort of holy laughter. I don't know. But... uh, Even when she smacked her face, I still thought she was faking it until I saw the very real evidence that it was a real, real smack. But she wasn't walking around trying to smack her face on something. She didn't set out, starting from the front row, saying, you know what would be really fun? You know what would add a a pow to my prayer? What really would put the exclamation mark on what I'm praying is just to smack my face in the wall and say, that's how much I want this, God. No, she smacked her face because she couldn't see. Most of the people in the world aren't walking around saying, how can I best really, really, really rebel against God? Most of those people aren't even aware there is a God. Or if they are, they don't have any clue how to get to him. Because they're walking around in darkness. And we were transferred from darkness in the light. So your spirit now is willing. But you got to know that the world out there is still the world out there. And it's still walking in darkness. Here's my point. I'm not telling you to throw your TVs out the window. That's dangerous first and foremost. But hey, maybe you, maybe you got something you want. I'm not telling you to never go to a movie again. I'm not tell, if, unless the Lord tells you, then don't do it. But what I am telling you is if you're filling, your, 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 if you're filling yourself with more of that then you are more with him, his word, time in prayer, time with the body of Christ. If that's more what you're filling yourself with, you are feeding the flesh and your spirit's getting weaker. What you feed the most is what's going to win the battle. So if you, if you work real hard to get your flesh real strong, you say, I don't want my flesh to be strong. Yeah, but that's what you're spending all your time on. That's what you're feeding this whole time. It will, it will be the loudest voice in your life. But when I say, oh, no, you know what? Look what Jesus says. Here's his solution. He says, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. But what did he say? He says, keep praying and watching that you may not enter into temptation. If you will continue to pray, he's telling them, then then there's something that's going to change. Your spirit, your willing spirit will not let you enter into that temptation because it will be stronger than the flesh. His answer is keep praying. Then later on, in another place actually, Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter, you're going to deny me. We've talked about this before. Peter didn't set out wanting to hurt Jesus. In fact, he in every way was probably one of the disciples that most wanted to help Jesus in his time of trouble. It was Peter and John that snuck in. It's an unnamed disciple, but since John is writing it, we believe it was John. The only guy we know for sure was Peter that snuck close enough to Jesus. All the other disciples had run away. But when Jesus was on trial, Peter got close enough, got within the courtyards of the high priest. Can you imagine the high priest that had Jesus arrested? The high priest that had the guards come and take him away? The high priest that all these people ran away from his guards? He had his own special section of soldiers. That high priest, Peter sneaks into his yard while this illegal trial is taking place, Peter gets that close. So we know he's not seeking to do something bad. He's not seeking to do something wrong. His spirit is willing, 
But in that moment where he's challenged, in that moment where someone says, do you know him? And maybe he justifies it at first in saying, I got to stay covert so I can help Jesus. I got to stay covert so I can stay. Maybe he thinks he's doing the right thing until he denies Jesus three times. In fact, even swears at a little girl because he's so frustrated and he's so scared. And he looks up and he meets Jesus' eyes because he hears the rooster crow three times and he realizes that he's denied Jesus. Jesus told him that was going to happen and he said this, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. He says, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, to run you through his fingers and find out what's real and what's not. Should he find out what he wants to find out, what the enemy wants to find is that you're all chaff. There's nothing good there. But I know there's something real there. So he says to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you. And in the original Greek, that you is plural. Satan didn't just desire to sift Peter. He desired to sift them all. But he says, I've prayed for you, singular, Peter. I prayed for you. And you, singular, Peter, when you've turned, go back and encourage your brothers. So we see there, at this point, Jesus is saying, you pray. But before that, he said to Peter, I've prayed. I've prayed for you. Now, here's an important thing. We all know that the Spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. How do you, how do you build up the Spirit? Well, but prayer, time with the Word, time with other believers. But here's the deal. When I, I'm praying for myself, there's great power in that. But it's also great power when we're praying for one another. When we understand we're in a time where we need help. What does it say in Hebrews? It says, whenever you're tempted, it says, we have a high priest who is not unsympathetic with our weaknesses. He's been there. He's faced it. It says he's been tempted in all things, yet without sin. So whenever we are tempted, it says, whenever we are struggling, whenever we feel too weak, it says, let us boldly enter into the throne room of grace where we will find mercy and grace to help in a time of need. So if you're feeling like, I just can't do this, I can't overcome this, I'm, too, I'm not winning these battles, he says, come boldly and ask for help. Yes. I believe the first thing you got to do is ask for help from God. Right. Right. First thing you got to do is run to him. Yeah. Right. The other thing you got to do, hey, call somebody. If Jesus could pray for Peter and he counted on Peter to encourage somebody else, don't you think there's a need for one another in the body of Christ? Call somebody and say, look, man, I'm struggling with this right now. It's no coincidence that in the book of James, it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's the same sentence. You don't need to confess your sin to everybody in the church every time. You know what I did? You know what I did today? You know, there's some people that just can't handle that. But if you really would find some people in your life and just trust them, be able to say, look, this is something I'm still struggling with. Will you pray for me that I may be healed? That's right. God will bring healing in that place. If you've sinned against somebody, you go to them, you say, let's pray together. Pray for us that this relationship will be healed. It'll be healed. 
Your spirit is willing, but you got to acknowledge the flesh is weak. So how do we overcome? You feed the spirit. You go to the place where strength is found. In the presence of God, the Bible says there is times of refreshing. It says in Isaiah that, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, when we go to him, he renews our strength. He exchanges our strength. Those that wait upon the Lord, which is exactly what Jesus is telling Peter and the boys to do. Wait upon the Lord. Seek him and he'll renew your strength. I want you to go to Jude for a minute. And we're going to read something that he says here. That I find greatly helpful. You know, we did a a series in Loon Lake where um, we talked about some of these some of these letters in the New Testament, as you get towards the end of the New Testament, the tone changes a little bit because time has passed and things are getting even more difficult. There's more deception out there. There's more persecution out there. There's more trouble. By the end, you see a lot of talk about in the last days. We notice that a lot of people talk about the last days. It's the last days. It's the end times. It's the last days. It's the end times. Cool. What do I do about that? Right? A lot of people say it's the end times, but they don't give you anything to do about it. What am I supposed to do? Don't buy stuff with barcodes. Codes. Okay. Don't put chips in your dog's ears. Well, okay, really? Okay. You notice in the scripture when he tells you it's the last days, it's the end times, He doesn't tell you, go off and be nutty. He gives you solid, sound advice how to stand and overcome in these days. Because the days will get more evil, but his glory and his grace will be bigger than they ever were. Not that they were small or not that they had to get bigger, but they'll be more real, more evident in our day. As the darkness gets darker, the light will get brighter. So the scripture tells you, here's what you do in the last day. So we went through a whole series in Loon Lake where we just said, okay, if it's the end times, if it's the last days, and we might have different definitions on exactly how long that means. But if it is the last days, it's the end times. And I, I believe that the last days started with Peter saying, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit. He said, this is what's happening. He didn't say, this is the fulfillment. This is the end of it. He said, this is that. This is the beginning of the age of the church, which in in reality is the age that's going to usher in the return of Jesus. And as we go and as time goes, we get closer to the end because that's the way time works. As we get closer to the end, things get difficult. Things get sketchy at times. But what does he say? God is so faithful. He doesn't just tell you it's close to the end. He tells you what to do about it. And in Jude, he's very clear about this. You'll find in Peter's letters, he's very clear. You'll find in John's letters, he's very clear. And Jude says this. He he tells you what's going to happen. He he tells you what some people are going to say. He tells you, in fact, let's, let's just start reading. He talks about in, um, in chapter, let's see, we're in chapter one because there's only one chapter. That's what threw me off. <laughs> he gives you, he says, in the last days, there'll be people that do this. There'll be people that do this. There's going to be people trying to trick you. There's going to be people trying to deceive you. And then he says in verse 17, and this is where it gets real good because he's, he's told you about the, 
difficulties you're going to face. He's told you about the people that are going to try to come in and, and steal. The people that are going to try to come in and deceive. He says in verse 17, but you, beloved. First thing he does is remind you who you are. You're the beloved of God. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. That they were saying to you in the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions. Worldly minded, devoid of the spirit. If there's ever a faction, if there's ever a force in the church or without the church that is causing division within the body of Christ. It is not from God. Sometimes there are divisions simply because different people are trying to follow God different ways, but there are certain movements, there are certain things, there are certain people who everywhere they go, they cause trouble. And he says, be aware of that. Don't let that, foster, don't let that flourish in your midst. But he says... These guys are worldly-minded. They're devoid of the Spirit. So that's their problem. They think like the world, and they are lacking in being spiritual. They're not spiritual. They're devoid of the Spirit. They're not moving by the Spirit. So without the Holy Spirit, that's what happens. That's what happens. If you're worldly-minded, you will be a problem, and you will have problems. But look what he says. But you, beloved, he says it again. Don't you love that God puts a difference between you and, and, and who you used to be? And he starts it off each time by saying, you're beloved. One of the main differences is that you have, have received and embraced the love of God. He says, but you, beloved, building yourself up on the most holy faith. Did you know that your state of being isn't binary? It's not just, you know, uh, simple like... You know, I was in the world, now I'm not. That is a very real reality. That's a very real fact. You used to be dead, now you're alive. Thank God. I used to be in darkness, now I'm in light. But you do grow in the faith, right? What, is, what, is, what does the scripture say? It says? It says that you are to desire like babies desire milk. And if you had a child, you know that that's a, that's a constant. You're never going to make a baby that says, I could pass today. I, I, I'm getting pudgy. I'm, I, I'm just, I need to get in beach shape, so I'll skip today. That never happens. And you can't just reason with a three-month-old. You can't say, we're busy right now. We're in the car. Can you just wait a little bit till we get, it's a convenient time. We're on an airplane. It's not a good time to get milk. They don't care. As they desire it, they're going to get it, Right? says, as babies long for, for milk, long for the sincere milk of the word. As newborn babes long for the sincere, sincere milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. That's one of the reasons we get together. And you see, the main reason we get together on a Sunday morning is to worship Jesus. That's why we sing those songs. We don't sing those songs to pump you up so you'll listen better during the message. We sing those songs because we want to first give him that that place. We want to fix our eyes on him. We want to worship him. And it's not about us. It's about him. But why we're doing what we're doing right now is so that you might grow in respect to salvation. Now, as we grow, you get stronger. Now, what's getting stronger is your spirit. So Jude says, 
here, it's what's going to happen in the last days. What do you do about it? You build yourself up in the most holy faith. He says things are going to get dark. Things are going to get weird. People are going to cause trouble. It's going to be the end times. And, and you don't run and go build a bunker and say, this is what I'm doing about the end times. He says, here's what you do. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Those things are tied. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. So guys, if you're feeling like your spirit is willing, how many times, let me just ask this very real question, and you don't answer it out loud, but just answer it within yourself. How many times have you known what God wanted you to do, but you chickened out? Or maybe you didn't chicken out, but it was just too much? Or how many times you were pressing into something and it just got too hard, so you quit. It just got too difficult. It just got too stressful, so you quit. It's just too big for you, you thought, so you quit. Your spirit was so willing, but your flesh failed you. Here's how you build your spirit up. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit is going to build you up to a place where your spirit is strong. We have got, you want your spirit to be strong? Feed the thing. Desire the sincere milk of the word of God. Feed your spirit. Spend time with the Lord. Pray in the Holy Spirit. This is not a revolutionary concept, guys. I don't think I'm saying anything to you right now that you're going, whoa, I never thought of that. But we need to be reminded. I need to be reminded. You know when your spirit's getting weak because you, you don't have tolerance to, for people anymore. You get annoyed easier. You get stressed easier. You get fatigued even though you're getting enough sleep. Even though you're, you shouldn't be fatigued, you're just worn out. Right? You know what it's like. How do you get strong? The Word of God, praying in the Holy Spirit. Scripture talks about encouraging one another. And then later he says this. Build yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. That's what you do about the end times. That's what you do when times get rough. Feed your spirit. Feed your spirit because, and you know what, guys? Let me just ask you a question. If you're training for the Olympics, nobody here, as far as I know, has trained for the Olympics. But if you're training for a competition, you're training, you're training to run a race, you don't get on the starting line and start doing push-ups. You don't start eating healthy the night of the race. You build yourself up before, right? Do you think that a general sends his soldiers into battle and says, now, the enemy's right, up, right over that hill right there. We should probably do some basic training. You should probably learn how to fire that thing, I guess. You know it's the safety's on, right? You're not even loaded. What are you doing? Like, that's not the time to train anybody. Training should already be done. If I'm about to run the race, if I'm about to be attacked, if I'm about to go on the attack, I should already be strong. I should already be built up. It's a sad thing when people start looking up healing scriptures when they're sick. I'm glad you are. That's a good time to look up healing scriptures. But you should have already started that. 
You should be built up in these areas. Hey, keep yourselves in the love of God because that's what's going to be tested in the last days. Don't you see? That's what the enemy was testing. That's most of the time where our flesh is weak. Guys, we're not most, most of you, we're not talking about whether or not you shoot up heroin tonight. It got real quiet. I'm just. <laughs> we're not talking about whether or not you're going to go and, and rob a liquor store. Your flesh is weak in different areas. And when you get born again, there are some things that are just not a problem for you anymore. But you know, when you go sit down at, at, at lunch tonight, to this morning, this afternoon, depending on how long I go, yeah. <laughs> when you go and sit down for lunch, do you know that you'll probably have an opportunity before the meal is done to give into your flesh or your spirit? Mm-hmm. And that person in front of you just takes way too many mashed potatoes and you're not going to have any. <laughs> or you don't get to sit with your favorite people. Or you make yourself sit with people you don't want to sit with because you know you should. Now everybody's going to be suspicious of the people they were sitting with. You see, we get born again and we forget that the flesh is not just the obvious things. The flesh is anything that sets its desire against the spirit. So one of the things he says is keep yourselves in the love of God. One of the ways to keep yourselves in the love of God is to build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I believe today I'm looking out on a group of people that have willing spirits. Willing spirits that want to do God's will. That want to see the gospel proclaimed in Lloydminster and the regions beyond. Willing spirits that desire that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, that Alberta would be filled, that Saskatchewan would be filled, that Canada would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, even up to the edges of the North Pole. I believe that's your desire. Now, how do you let that desire, that spirit overcome in a time where it's tested? You build it up. You feed your spirit. Feed your spirit more than you feed your flesh. And you know, one of the ways, you know, we're talking about feeding your spirit and you're talking about reading the word and getting into prayer. But I'll tell you, the thing you obey the most, the thing you listen to the most will give it power. If I listen to the Spirit every day and I do whatever the Holy Spirit's telling me to do and I'm led by the Spirit and I do what the Word says, you know what? Those muscles will get worked out. I will instinctively be a person that seeks the voice of God. I'll be instinctively a person that obeys. But if I train myself to ignore what God is saying, to ignore that pricking of of my spirit by the Holy Spirit that says, "Don't, don't do that, don't go down that path, don't say that. The more I ignore it, the stronger the flesh gets because I'm giving in to the flesh. So I want you to do this just very simply. This is is super easy. I want you to read the word. I want you to pray in the Holy Spirit. But can we try something else? Take, Take a moment, a second longer to think about every decision you make during a day. Take a second to think What am I making stronger by this decision? 
What am I giving into? What am I submitting to? Because life is all about submitting to one thing or the other. It's about submitting and resisting. Do you know with every major decision you make, even minor ones, you're submitting to one thing and you're resisting another? It's very true. You're either submitting to the Holy Spirit and resisting the devil, or you're submitting to the flesh and resisting the Spirit. It's always one or the other. Sometimes it's, it's a 75, 25% mixture. But in every time in your life, you train yourself to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I guarantee your spirit will be strong. And when Jesus says, pray with me for an hour, and the devil's attacking, and the enemy's attacking, and you know your eyes are getting droopy, and you know you're getting worn out, and you know you, you're coming up with excuses, even spiritual ones, why I should just give in, that your spirit will say, not this time. And what's on the inside of you will be stronger than what's on the outside of you. Because every one of you is feeling pressure all the time. You're like a diver that has dove into the depths of the ocean and the pressure is overwhelming unless what's on the inside is stronger pressing out than what's on the outside pressing in. You'll all be under pressure this week. You'll all be under pressure this year. But what's going to determine whether or not you overcome is is the pressure on the inside stronger than the pressure on the outside. And greater is he that is in you. The Bible says you've overcome him. For greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. There is more inside of you than there is on the outside of you. So if you will let that win... It's not just about, it's not just about asking God for more power. He's given you everything. It's about will you surrender to the spirit and will you resist the flesh? Will you surrender and submit to God and resist the devil? Because if you submit to God and resist the devil, the Bible says he will flee from you. (laughs) Doesn't say the devil will the devil will just eventually just say, well, you fought a good game, chap. I'll sit down and I'll visit you tomorrow. It says that the devil will flee. What kind of believer causes the devil to flee? To run away in terror. To be frightened of you. It's the kind of believer that surrenders and submits to God. So in this moment, this week... When you have that garden moment where Jesus says, I want you to watch with me. I want you to watch with me. I want you to stand right now. And all that pressure is saying, don't do it, don't do it. You can't do it. Not this time. Let's just give in. When Jesus says to you, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I want you to be strong enough in the spirit that the strength of the spirit overcomes the weakness of the flesh. That you're able to overcome. That you're able to resist in the evil day. That you're able to stand and quench every fiery dart of the evil one. This is our reality. You're stronger than you know. Build yourself up. Be ready for that time. You all have willing spirits. Now it's time to let the spirit win over the flesh. Amen? Amen? Feed the spirit. Can you just take a good just a good inventory of your time during the week. How much time are you giving to the flesh? How much time are you giving to the spirit? What you feed the most will be the strongest.
in your life. And I want you to be strong enough that in the evil day, you'll not just be able to stand and resist for yourself. You'll be so strong that you're able to reach over and help somebody else up. Did you ever notice the person that's barely keeping from drowning is not saving anybody else? That person that's frantically paddling, dog paddling and treading water <laughs> and just trying not to breathe in any, any ocean, that person is in no position to help anybody else. In fact, they may drag someone else down. But the one who's a strong swimmer, the one who's strengthened themselves and spent that time training how to be a strong swimmer, they're not just going to survive the storm themselves. They're going to go and find somebody else that's not surviving. Grab them. Help them to shore. Say, it's not about you. It's not about you just surviving. It's about you thriving, being strong enough that you can be a pillar in the house of God. That you can strengthen someone else. Like he said to Peter, when you've turned, turn and encourage your brothers. Stand with me this morning.